Yeah. <laughs> oh. Live. Your, your ears ringing. Yeah. From a woke Pete Ma bog buried underneath a liberal New Hampshireite. Are there liberal New Hampshireites? It's yet another. Not anymore. Woke Wednesday edition of Business Pants. Joined as always by analyst hole Matt Muscardi. Yeah. In today's cat dander, in the in the cat dander, or like on the surface yes. of, it's like somewhere buried in the dander. Called January twenty fourth, twenty twenty four, the top nine stories from our ESG news headline randomizer, and Ooh. a Boeing deep dive part four thousand. You know what? You used to have a lot more like devices. I've, I've lost my all my good humor. You've lost your touch. I've lost my There's touch. There's no more devices. Yeah, that's correct. You have lost your touch. Our show today is being sponsored by FreeFlow Analytics, the only ESG data platform to measure real board influence and diversity power gaps. Thank you, FreeFlow Analytics. No one else is willing to. No one else is trying. That's because you keep swearing. You're just I don't. Swearing I'm actually no. You're the swear. Like, I don't swear. And it's and and you know like I so rarely uh, swear. Know, the big conservative asset managers, you know, they're afraid of swears. They don't swear ever. There's no one at these companies who swears. That's why. True, venture capitalists probably they don't swear. No, they just hug. Let's do some nine random yeah, come on. stories. I got some good ones. I gotta start at the top at Starbucks. I can't believe there's another anecdote related to Howard Schultz about corporate governance that I didn't know. I'm, I'm ashamed I didn't know this. Oh, this is great. Maybe, I love maybe this. you knew this, Matt, but this is just this just takes the cake. I had to start with this story. I like it. Yeah, the headline out of the uh, Financial Times was how unions are fighting a boardroom battle at Starbucks. We've actually covered this several times. The Strategic Organizing Center is is using their proxy access to get three directors uh, up for election this year. M Maria yeah. Echeveste, Joshua Gautbaum, and Wilma Liebman. So they're they're trying a, a different it's a different approach to fighting the good old labor fight at Starbucks. Yeah. Does the strategic organizing center who works with unions realize that the people who run the companies matter? I that think that clearly clearly they do. <laughs> yeah. Apparently Clearly they do. Yeah. They so here's the story, and this is from the Financial Times. There's a famous story about Starbucks that is often cited during discussions of governance at Ooh, I like at, this. at board meetings. There is an empty chair to represent the interests of the coffee giant's employees. The idea, the idea was proposed by its former CEO and founder Howard Schultz uh, to show, <laughs> to show that the company's baristas have a symbolic seat at the table. That is, <laughs> is there a better story in the world of ESG ever than that? It's the best story I've ever heard. What a An incredible empty, empty gesture! It's the best ESG empty gesture ever. Wow, I did not know that this was a An thing. empty chair. This is according, now according to the Financial Times. I, <laughs> I don't even know what, what to do What can you say to this? This is incredible. 
Do you think they ask the empty chair what it thinks about <laughs> How many of their profound tactics? conversations did Howard and the board have with that chair is what I want to know. <laughs> the chair. Yeah. Was it like that moment when Clint Eastwood yes. like talked to an empty chair? That was during like the 2012 Republican convention. He he took an empty chair on stage that was supposed to represent Obama and he yelled at the chair for like 4 chair. hours. So that's really what it was. Was that that it was I like have the no thing idea. they could be like F you employees. No <laughs> and yet another reason to support the Strategic Organizing Center and yet another reason to care who the directors are that run your company. That's all I'm going to say. I, I like but uh, you know if Starbucks comes out and says which they have that they they're, they're uh, against basically everybody put up by the Strategic Organizing Center. And uh, is that does that mean that they prefer the empty employee chair to an actual <laughs> well, employee in the chair because that's what they're saying according to an investor that we just talked to matt nobody cares about the people who run the company nobody cares about directors that's correct except, no one cares about except any for of evidently strategic the strategic organizing center which represents like hundreds of thousands of uh, actual workers it's funny how little people care until like the company implodes or there's a strike, and then all of a sudden it's where was the governance? Who was that manning That's the after, wheel here? Yeah, after the fact, it's always after. But now we can actually say, actually, in their defense, if there's a massive strike, can't Howard Schultz say you were represented by the yeah empty the empty chair, chair let you and down? You didn't speak. But they still, up. Matt, you really, I, I, I have really to ask, and maybe you can ask your followers on LinkedIn. Would investors vote out the empty chair? <laughs> I think empty chairs get voted out at a 0.3% rate <laughs> no. instead of 0.2. Okay. Next story. Outrageous CEO pay targeted a new bill from Bernie Sanders, of course, and the Democrats. This is a union-backed proposal that would also require Treasury guidelines to prevent companies from avoiding the tax by using contract contractors rather than employees. So what they want to do is this measure would raise the tax rate on companies whose CEO to worker salary ratio was above 50 to one, going all the way up to 500 times to one. And those companies would incur a tax penalty of five percentage points. It, it all sounds great. This speaks right into our wheelhouse, Matt. The big problem with this, of course, is that the bill would need 60 votes to clear the Senate. And we know that that's... Impossible. It's impossible. It's, it's already dead. Yeah. It's dead on arrival. But you know, maybe um, some of the fun the, idea. Maybe some of the faux Republican populace will get behind this. Who knows? It would be lovely if Bernie Sanders actually presented this bill to an empty chair and asked <laughs> it to vote. Well, I mean, isn't that kind of what the Senate has become? <laughs> That's like how zing. Uh, the next uh, story Satire. here from ESG Randomizer: The Financial Reporting Council, the FRC, has has removed all. Yes, they have removed all references to ESG in a new version of the UK Whoa. Corporate Governance Code, of all things. Wait. wait this isn't Larry the Fink. the acronym? The, the acronym? Because it's called the Corporate this is confusing. Governance Code. That's G. It's confusing. That's the G. According to this reporting, uh, the, 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 the dra uh, final draft document uh, before this uh, final document came out contained 14 actual references to the term ESG, and those have all been stripped. They've also decided to drop many plan changes, including those relating to the role of audit committees uh, on, on ESG, modifications to existing provisions around diversity, overboarding, et cetera. So it looks like another version of people kind of buckling to anti-ESG pressure. You, you people know that ESG is just a data set. 
That's all. It is. I don't know what they know it's anymore. I don't know. This I, is the Financial is Reporting Council. I, I, well, look. In fairness to the Financial Reporting Council, they never knew about what ESG was, right? Like ESG was like a two dozen cowboys and girls collecting data and thinking it's interesting, and that was kind of it. Like that, so that they didn't know what it meant is really not surprising. Mm -hmm. That they feel the need to scrub it is really sort of asinine. Yeah. Like, let's get real. Uh, speaking of anti ESG, anti woke stories, there's a con I don't like this. There's a conspiracy going around about the Oscar nominations. So the the 96th uh, Academy Awards nominations came out yesterday, and what did they do, Matt? They 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 nominated. The actor who who played Ken in the Barbie movie, yeah, I, but they did not act. They did not nominate Barbie herself, nor did they nominate the, yeah. the feminist director Greta Gerwig, who directed Barbie. Yet they they nominated yes. the picture itself, Barbie, for best picture. So you see what's happening. Anti ESG has infiltrated the Oscars suddenly somehow. I, well, I mean, um, I did. There were a lot of memes. There should have been. There should have been. This is this is awkward. Fairly, <laughs> even Ryan Gosling himself, the actor who plays Ken, is pissed off. He should be pissed off because it makes him look weird. Have you seen Barbie? Well, yet? I, I have to say, I have not seen it, but I support it. <laughs> I support it, its feminist uh, ideas. I we, I tried to see it when we were in Connecticut, but you know, it just didn't happen. Well, I haven't seen it. I so I don't know. Maybe um, the maybe it's possible that the directing. <laughs> <laughs> and the um, uh -huh. and Margot Robbie uh -huh. were terrible yeah, in sure. it, and it was really Ryan Gosling yes. and the overall, the overall thing that she that was good. The somehow was not was responsible good. for her direction. Her direction were sucked, bad, but the picture but the film was itself was good, which is an impossibility. Yeah. <laughs> Next year, I really hope the Academy Awards just nominates an empty chair to win for the. <laughs> I, I can't get over the empty chair. I want that everywhere yeah, that's now. Yeah, the best story. Uh, uh, moving on, J.P. Morgan's uh, Jamie Dimon talks DEI. That's the headline, oh, which could no, be I scary. But yeah, I don't like this. Uh, this is a good news. This is a good story. He says, oh, is it? quote, I'm going to start by telling you that I'm a full-throated, red-blooded, patriotic, unwoke capitalist CEO. He said this <laughs> okay. at, at, a, at an event hosted by the Female Quotient at the World Economic Forum. I don't know what that is. Do you know what the Female Quotient is? No, okay. I don't. Is that the denominator of females? I don't know. But he says, he says, I'm not woke anything. But then he went on to say, he says, uh, uh, still the bank... Uh, which is recording record profits as we speak and is approaching a market value of $500 billion, is not retreating from its diversity efforts despite the ridiculous ESG DEI groups coming at us. So uh, he's, they're not retreating. Uh, he also called a story back in the day. He said that J.P. Morgan's HR department used to brag uh, years ago about the firm's diversity progress. Uh, but they did this by fusing all the underrepresented groups under one lump category. He's, he responded by saying, don't lump it together. Come back and show me the numbers, you know, by VPs, executive directors, managing directors, hiring, yeah, retention. I like that. And okay. they did. That's good. And, he's, and he went on to say that, 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 that the data showed that for women, excellent. Hispanic, excellent. LGBT, excellent. Asian American, excellent. Black, average. He goes, he goes on to say, we're still the bank 
had been rec- had been recruiting historically black colleges and universities for years, and he said that that's not J.P. Morgan. We don't want to be average. So, blah blah blah. The point is that unlike his cohort over at BlackRock, and I guess the 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 Financial Reporting Council in the UK, uh, he is leaving in ESG and DEI. He's supporting it. But here's what I here's yeah. what I don't yes. like. Every one of these morons has to now preface it with a McCarthyist statement <laughs> saying, "I'm a red. I'm a still a man. I'm, st- I'm still a heterosexual. But do they grab I their crotch s- while they do I it? I sleep with women, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I know it's just so you know. I sleep in a bed of money, <laughs> I'm not a, and then I hire blacks. I'm not a like, virgin. I'm a heterosexual. <laughs> Why do we have to qualify it? Just say, just support it. We hire the just best people, and we try to get the v- widest. And we have record profits. We record profits. Yeah, who's complaining at this point? Yeah. If we hired all black people from now on, if we win, what do you give a fuck? Yeah. Like, I just don't understand why we have to open with a red-blooded patriot. <laughs> like, does he wave a flag when he said it, too? Like, it's just so stupid. Uh, moving on. Oh, it was a good one, Matt. Uh, Dwayne Johnson. You know who Dwayne Johnson is? Yeah, The Rock. The Rock. Of course I know Dwayne The Rock Johnson. is going to be a new director in our database. He joins oh, the yes. board of TKO. So first of all, um, <laughs> uh, first of all, Rock, I have to tell you, yeah. you're going to have 0% influence. It's, it's a controlled company, and um, no one cares well, about what you Well, that think. might be true, but he may not care, Matt, because he also entered into a services agreement with the company, which he will receive $30 million in stock. So that's a pretty good direct. It's go. a good directing yeah. gig, huh? I uh, but I like that he's there. I, I like do that too. He'll be smiling. I love it. I I have a, a sense that he will probably ask questions that will like be decent questions that will he'll play off as I'm dumb. Someone explain this mm-hmm. to me. Like I can imagine like the whole aura of it, and they'll just all they're gonna want to do is like fist bump him and have him out there. Is this um? The some version of when Papa John's added Shaq oh, to the no. board. How dare you? Well, no, but no, isn't this, this like is, the distraction no. from the fact that like Vince McMahon is listed as a risk well, factor? You you add the Rock. Like now we can squash the risk because we have a big man who can punch. I him. will say two things. First of all, this is a board room where it is appropriate to have an empty chair because wrestlers love to throw chair, yes. chairs at each other. Do they not? <laughs> But, yes, that's but second, correct. What, I'm going to disagree. This is not a Shaq situation. Dwayne Johnson is an employee of the company. So what I'm hoping is that this is the start of a stakeholder oh. revolution where we start to add employees to the boards of American companies. That's what I'm, I'm hoping. I'm not sure this no? can, a $30 million dollar <laughs> stock-based services agreement does not qualify as an employee, so like what, a reg. A so what it seems is that at TKO, Dwayne Johnson will fill the empty chair that, that represents employees, where Whereas at Starbucks, Ooh, I, it'll stay like empty, right? Unless unless Aww. shareholders support the slate of directors being put up by the uh, strategic organization, organizing center. I might not support them just to have the empty chair <laughs> there in perpetuity. They've done a real, really good tenure. They've got some good... Yeah, they've seen a lot. Uh, you're going to talk about airlines next, but a brief story here. Southwest Airlines flight attendants have voted to approve a strike or authorization Over 98% of the members voted in favor. Uh, Two more stories. How about this? This is a story about a director at Tesla. 
What? Yeah. There are those? It says, <laughs> here's when? the story, Kimball Musk... Director at Tesla. I think should be a swear now. <laughs> said he, quote, felt the voice of God, end quote, uh, after a near-death experience and later taking uh, ayahuasca, the, the psychedelic drug. Uh, yeah. Here's a question. <laughs> Can we get, it, would it be considered overboarding if you took the empty chair and replaced Kimball Musk with it? Is the... Empty chair, then overboarded oh. because it's on more than one board. All I gotta say is to Tesla investors: is you now have another director who's taking ayahuasca and saying that he felt the voice of God, and you're still like you don't care. You don't. Not, you. I like that there was stories that broke like just a few weeks ago when the Wall Street Journal did that expose on Musk himself yeah, and his all his drug drugs. Use. Yeah. Where they went to Kimball, the board members went to Kimball <laughs> yeah. to ask if Elon was okay. Meanwhile, Kimball's like, what, smoking a reefer and taking ayahuasca and being like, yeah, dude, he's great. Yeah, I was going to say that. Like, what well, is- that's the drug I know where not only do you get to talk to God, but you're also throwing up and having like diarrhea at the same time. Like everything Ooh. comes out at once. So this is the Tesla board. I don't like no, that. I don't, no, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like uh, that. And finally, uh, another great story today. This has been a good woke Wednesday of uh, random ESG stories. Here's the headline out of Fortune magazine. I don't know if it deserves a drum roll. <laughs> I like drum roll. Over 2,000 shell companies have directors aged 123 years or older, according to <laughs> research by Moody's Analytics. They found 21 million red flags associated with shell companies that could be used to enable financial crimes uh, from ancient directors to dubious addresses. One listed director, Matt, was 942 years old. I mean, look, there's also congrats to them for making that milestone. It's really hard to be a director for that long. There's also thousands of examples of directors below the age of five. That's right, five. (laughs) Oh, that's not good. And 22,000 entities with a registered address at Egypt's pyramids. Meanwhile, one individual held over 5,000 roles at 2,800 different entities. Uh, eight, they call this is a term I haven't heard of. Was that the empty chair? <laughs> this is a term I haven't heard of, according to Moody's Analytics. They said that atypical directorship is just one of seven key behaviors highlighted in the research. But but again, I'm going to repeat sarcastically that we were just told by an investor last week that nobody cares about the directors or the people. So so they really, uh, you should throw away this uh, Moody's Analytics. Throw away this these these this evidence of financial crimes. Right? What does it matter? First of all. Like, I know we use free flow analytics data um, here, but Moody's Analytics is on a tear. They've done some really good governance stuff. They actually did an anti-woke proposal paper. They They seem to be on top of the governance game, as in someone at Moody's has said, hey, you know what matters? Who runs companies? Let's let's look at them. And they're doing a good job looking at it. Second of all, Mm -hmm. this, if there's anything that should show that you should at least do like the bare minimum of due diligence. One thing you might notice is that someone was listed as 942 years old. People don't on matter. Your board. Like, they don't matter. <laughs> that seems like something you would notice. That's all I got, Matt. What do you got today? That was fabulous what that was. I wish I had more of that. I'm good, not going to be able to find one. I'm not going to be able to find an empty chair at a, at board meetings. It's going to take me a we long did time. Not, I, like I'm really pissed that we did not predict empty chairmanship. <laughs> Howard Schultz is the um, ESG gift that keeps giving. Yeah. 
Uh, so I just have an update on everybody's favorite worst company ever. Which, which uh, is? That is Boeing. Okay, all right. We're going to talk about I'm Boeing. I'm glad you're talking about Boeing because uh, I tagged several stories this morning, Matt, of like, I, I, you know, I don't, I, I'm going to paraphrase, like things falling off of like, no, like yes. nose things yep. falling, like fire shooting out. I don't know. There's just like a lot of weird stuff going on. So there was fire shooting out that apparently had more to do with like birds or something. Uh-huh. It didn't have to do with engine failure. It wasn't Dave Calhoun. Four, no. it was, Dave Calhoun did not jump into the engine <laughs> because it was better Soon than will running be. Boeing yep. right now. Um, here are four fun headlines okay. for everybody's favorite company. Um, first up is United CEO seems to subtly threaten a move away from Boeing, saying the Max 9 grounding is the straw that broke the camel's well, back. thank you. This I'm is, glad someone's getting angry at, at something. Yeah, somebody cares about who's running Boeing, and the somebody didn't even get named in the headline. It just says United CEO, hey, um, I, and that is Scott Kirby. On a related note, we have a, a, a young listener who pointed out to me yesterday that uh, he appreciates uh, this, our reporting on this one issue, that, 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 that news organizations do not name the executives or directors who yeah, run these companies. Great. So we do have one listener who appreciates this sentiment. I'm glad, and hopefully they are. Incredibly <laughs> I hope he stays alive. No, he's not. He's a kid. He's a high. He's a teenager. United CEO's name is Scott Kirby, and what he said was, "Quote: The Max Nine grounding is probably the straw that broke the camel's back for us. We're gonna build an alternative plan that just doesn't have the Max Ten in it." And this is um, they, hmm. they United had placed an order for Max 10 planes, expecting them soon. But he now believes the best case for deliveries are five years behind schedule. Oh. Five years behind schedule. So what, That's the best case. What is the? We're talking about Nell Minow talking about uh, uh, the duopoly that exists in this industry. What is the alternative plan? Is it just another Boeing the plane only or is it Airbus? Currently, is Airbus? Right, okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, Airbus is the reason why Boeing fast-tracked the MAX 8 planes that killed hundreds mm-hmm. of people because they were competing. Um, and yet, but and, and to another, solve this problem internally, they promoted someone who was already on the board in the first place to run yeah, the company. Yeah. The obvious choice would have been somebody who got them the, in the, the position the, that sucked. The man, the man providing oversight on the CEO who, who screwed everything up was promoted to be the next CEO. Yeah, I mean, well, it was like a self-promotion because, like, when you're the guy who's the boss of the boss and you say, well, it's just easier if I'm the boss and the boss. That's that's the way crazy, that worked crazy. out. Here's another headline. Also omitting Scott Kirby's name, United CEO is so concerned about Boeing's latest disaster, he's been venting to colleagues and lobbying Pete Buttigieg, oh, sources say. Okay. So... Apparently, the transportation department doesn't actually have legal authority uh-huh. to dictate changes at Boeing's leadership, but no one cares about the leadership because those are just people. We don't really, we're not thinking about them, but they can um, and uh, they may take enforcement action or other steps against the company. But United CEO Scott Kirby is not just saying he's pissed about not getting planes. He's actually calling Pete Buttigieg and saying, this isn't okay. What can we I'll do? I'll remind the audience that Dave, current CEO Dave Calhoun became a director at Boeing in 2009. And then, That's correct. And then in 2018, he became the lead independent director. And then in, yeah, in, independent, in 2020, 20, when was that 2020? When, when Dennis 2020, Muhlenberg, yeah. I believe his name was, the CEO yep. stepped down. 
Dave Calhoun essentially promoted himself as one of the leaders of the board to, to again to internally fix this problem and yet like years later we have the same problems going on. I'm just gonna well I'm gonna remind people why it's important to focus on uh, the people who run your companies. Well, these are they're but these are new problems and they include a story that you pulled that is nose wheel falls off yeah. Boeing seven fifty seven <laughs> while awaiting takeoff. I don't even know I don't even want to know what oh a nose oh. wheel. I know what that means a now. Nose yeah, I know wheel. what that wheel it's is. The wheel under the nose yeah, okay. of the plane. That's not good. Um, so so Delta Airlines Boeing seven fifty seven um, was lining up on the tarmac to take off and the wheel fell off. And the Whoa. wheel fell off and rolled down a hill. Okay. Well, there's two I've wheels seen, on the That's no, nice. I've never seen like, a hill at an airport. I like that. I, I, yeah, it's. I mean, it was cute. It like rolled off and went down some hill, and everyone was like, huh, we don't have a wheel oh. anymore. What happened to that? At some point, don't you say, I'm not sure we should get in these things anymore. Well, like, wh- at what point is that the, the answer? Because yeah. they are finding every... They have grounded now. Um, they're saying the door plugs need to be looked at immediately, like uh-huh. as soon as possible. And it's a second airplane. They're going back through older models and finding that they've taken shortcuts on older models. And there are reports that... Um, upon delivery, there are some people who are finding, like the air air lines, are finding things like wrenches mm-hmm. underneath the floorboards and things that don't work. And they have to call up Boeing and be like, "Hey, um, why is there a wrench in inside the plane? Isn't that supposed to have not been in the plane?" So Boeing um, not doing great and using it now, since this is an all union show. The Boeing and Seattle it's area not. unions have had to delay c- contract negotiations. Well, because of this effort. In fact, I would think it would be a good time the, to delay them, right? I mean, uh, right? Well, you'd think so, but part of the reason why is because um, the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, which is the union, mm-hmm. they've been named as a party in the National Transportation Safety Board investigation oh. into the door plug. Huh. So they're trying to they're blame the workers. The workers. Yeah. They're they're involved. And not the cost cutting. It's not the cost cutting. And speaking of the cost cutting, here's what I did yeah. for you today, Damien, because right. I know you love human beings so much. I mean I, I do. I like I, them. I like them. I don't. I went through uh, the 2011 Boeing board that greenlit the Max 8 planes, and I did my own version of a skills matrix. So 2011, uh, again, would put the current CEO, Dave Calhoun, he had already been on that board for three years. Yes, he was already on the board, Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he actually, prior to that, knew everybody on the board because he was at GE for a long time. Mike Zavrosky was at GE. Um, Jim McNerney, I think, was at GE. Half the board had been at GE at the same time. So they all knew each other. Now, I'm not going to rehash how much they knew each other. I'll say there's no probably better way to provide credible oversight than to have like a bunch of your buddies kind of show up with some sushi and, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, like when, like I went to go watch the first time the Patriots were like in the playoffs Mm -hmm. in like a decade with all my friends, those were the people that I think should provide me sound business (laughs) advice. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, I'd like we to hear ate, that. Yeah, uh, we ate two pastrami Reuben sandwiches mm. each, and uh, and it was a debaucherous night. Um, 
Well, so I did my own skills matrix because I actually took like what are their degrees, what is their history? Um, because when they when you look at the Boeing skills matrix today, it claims that everybody, almost everyone on the board, has engineering expertise. Yeah, but they lump it this in. This is one of the Here's, this is one of the law, the things that we have complained about for many years is that uh, well, first of all, the disclosure of of who these directors really are and their skill sets is inadequate in in the pro, right. The, the, I would say that's. A an understatement. So, but so yes. the companies can report all kinds of different things, and they can create their own skills matrix table, and they can really, unfortunately, say anything they want. They can basically tell investors that if you worked at a company that even has an engineering department, maybe you're skilled in engineering, and you can just tell investors that. Well, here's the thing that I noticed that on this board, um, uh, like currently on the board, uh, is uh, which one is it? Um, currently on the board is somebody who I'm just going to say, uh, I can't, I didn't tag the person, but I, there's somebody who's on the Chevron board mm -hmm. or was uh, on the Chevron board and they in the, or Exxon board, in the Exxon skills matrix. They are not listed as having engineering expertise, but uh -oh. on the Boeing skills uh -oh. matrix, they are listed as Ooh. having engineering expertise. Yeah. So these skills matrices are effectively whatever you decide is your skill is your skill. So I looked at where they actually which is, work. Which is, I mean, look, I, not to, I don't want to go down a huge rabbit hole, but that's basically fraud, is it not? Fraud to misrepresent I mean, the, the, the skill sets and the experience of your actual board members? A little bit. It's, it's like, a little bit of fraud. Let's just let's just say it's um it's like it's like when you're accounting for something, you're just making a judgment that yeah, maybe it goes in this box and not that box. And depending on where you go, you could put it in any box you want. It's just mm. organizational differences. Mm -hmm. But in this case, I did our own version of a skills matrix, and I did it for the 2011 Boeing board and the 2023 Boeing board because I wanted to see what the differences were. And what I found out was will shock approximately zero, zero people. In 2011, mm -hmm. only 8% of the board members were engineers at one point in their careers with degrees in engineering. Okay. That's one person, effectively. Yeah. Like that's One person was one an engineer out of 12, on the Boeing yeah. board. Um, meanwhile, 42% had MBAs and 33% had undergrad degrees in finance or something finance related like accounting or, or, or uh, economics. So the vast majority of the board in 2011 was focused on counting dollars, right? In fact, 42% then went on to work in finance or accounting. And a third of the board was actually hired strictly because of their government contacts. They were designed mm -hmm. to lobby the Pentagon, right. the FAA. They were ex-government. So we have a board with one engineer on it, green lighting the Max 8 plane, and everybody else on the board, for the most part, is in finance or government. Like, they're just lobbying the Pentagon, and they're counting the dollars. Since then, in 2023, they've added actual engineers. 31% of the current board has an engineering background. That's pretty good, right? Well, it, That's good. In response to the uh, the crash, no doubt. Well, it took several hundred people right. dying for them to say sure, maybe sure, an engineer sure. is worthwhile. Oh, but still, they actually also added their finance background. 54% of the board has a finance and accounting background now, not, not the 42% um, that had it before. So they've 
added the engineers. We've got more engineers, but we've drowned them out with a few more people in finance. They got rid of all the government lobbying because it's not helping. Right. It, it really didn't do them any favors. And they added a bit of finance and sales. But here's the kicker, because I looked at the thing that matters most that comes from free float analytics, which is influence. It doesn't matter if you have 31% of the board with an engineering background. If no one listens to the engineers, they have no influence. Sure. And no one listens to the engineers. 63% of board influence is with accounting. 22% mm-hmm. of board influence is engineering. 55% of the board influence got their undergrad degrees in finance. And more than a third of the board influence actually is marketing. So this is what I'm saying. The people you may not care about, but that they know something seems like it's relevant to the to the conversation. When especially at companies like Boeing, when the wheel of the nose yeah. uh, under the nose of the plane falls off, yeah, seems like something you want to know. I I think that I don't know. Am I wrong? Uh, uh, and I think the man you were referring to was Lawrence Kellner. That's who So Lawrence Kellner is an interesting case because he sits on both the Exxon and Boeing's board. Now, he was the CEO of Continental Airlines, but he became CEO by, because he was the CFO first. So he's yeah. actually, he has no skill set in engineering. His skill set no. is in finance, but Boeing is fudging that because he was a CEO of a major airline. That's how they're doing yeah, the skill that's their sets. Fu- they that's their fudge path. Their fudge is... Engineering leadership, leadership, right? Even though have you led an engineer? He started off as a CFO. Yeah. You know, you know what doesn't help? Um, Yo, door plugs. Having engineering leadership. Forget the door plugs. I want that nose wheel. (laughs) That's all we got. That's Hazelnut Rollins. I am your analyst, Soul, Matt Muscardi. We are Free Float. Come back. Tomorrow we have a proxy countdown show. Oh. We're covering on the big vote. Oh, We're Apple. Apple. That's the, it. That's it. Apple. That's the most. That's the only company in the world, really. That's, that's the big one, Apple. I mean, it's the company. It's the company. We're covering it. We're going to give you vote recommendations. If you own a share of Apple, you want to vote your proxy, tomorrow's show is for you. No swearing. Otherwise, no swearing. we'll be back on Friday. With, Maybe one uh, swear. Maybe one. wrap up with everybody else in at free float until then goodbye